Okay. Let's uh, let's keep moving along in uh, discussing tefillah, discussing our own personal avoda, and then we'll see how far we get in this. But um, we may even start getting into the words of tefillah itself. But we're going to continue for today, as we spoke out last week, to give an overview and a general idea of what the avoda is, what the service is when we show up to Davin. So before I want, before uh, reading inside from Rav Shamshim Pinkus in Sharon Betfila, I want to just uh, share an incident that took place with one of the greatest Rosh Hashivas that are, are alive today. This Rosh Hashiva's name is Rav Meir Stern. He's the Rosh Hashiva in Passaic, New Jersey. Okay? Meir Stern learned uh, in the same time as my father in uh, Lakewood under Byron Cutler. And the Pesach Yeshiva has, it's a well-known Yeshiva by now, when it was at its uh, point where there were too many people for their minyanim. So Rav Meir Stern asked all of the alumni of the Yeshiva that would come back to Davin and join in the tefillah that they should make their own minyan, they shouldn't come to Yeshiva anymore because they were taking the spaces of all the yeshiva guys that needed sp- spots in the Bismajrish. So he told, at a certain point, we told his alumni, time to make your own minion, you know, have your own uh, Bismajrish. Okay. It came time for the Yamim Nairam, came time for the high holidays. And one of the alumni came to Rav Meir Stern, and he said, I'm just letting the Roshiva know, I plan on showing up for Rosh Hashanah. So he says, well, I told the alumni, you know, they should have come back. There's no, no more room. You're going to, you know, you come, you're not going to have space for you. He says, well, I'm not Mavater. I don't give up. I'm not giving up my, you know, every year I've davened in the yeshiva. And I refuse to not come this year. Because there's one bacher in particular that on the high holidays davens right in front of me. And I am so inspired just by sitting behind this guy. I need to dive in the same base measure system. Okay? Younger guy, younger, 21, 22 years old. Now you have one of the alumni come back and say, I need a dive in here to this guy. So, Mayor Stern says, well, uh, tough luck. Doesn't matter. So he says, well, uh, I insist. <laughs> he says, okay, well, I'm the Roshiva, and I'll tell you what. If you're so inspired by how this guy Davins, instead of insisting to sit behind him, why don't you go talk to him and ask him what he does? And then you'll do the same thing and you'll be fine. And you'll Davin like that in the alumni minion. Okay? So the guy says, all right. So he walks over to this bugger. And he says, listen, I've been Davin behind you for a couple years. Roshani Yom Kippur, even during the year. I see, um, I see how you daven, and I'm just—I I love being near you. It is—it's inspiring to me, my own tefillas. What do you do? And the guy looks at him. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What are we talking about? He says, I've been davening behind you for this would be the third year, but I'm the past two years, and you help my high holiday daven. This guy's like feeling like a creep over here. You know, what I mean, like this guy, this guy watching me. He says, this, tw- this guy must have been 21, 22. He tells, one of, he tells this fellow, this one of the alumni, he says, listen, I don't know what you find inspiring about how I daven, but it, I'll tell you how I daven. 
Okay. He says, go ahead. He says, I don't. He says, you don't? He said, let me tell you something. Uh, I, I, don't I my worst part of the day was tefillah. I hated davening with a passion. With a passion. I was in the yeshiva system. I'm in the yeshiva. I know, and all these guys in there, they're, they're shaking back and forth like a lula, frontward, sideways, backward, this. They're going every direction, and they have kavana. And I always sat there like, what are these guys doing? What are they, what are they doing? And I, I, don't, like, I don't even know what everybody's thinking, what everybody's saying. What am I supposed to say? He's like, it's just, I, I got so frustrated by tefillah. That at one day, I went into the Rashiva. He says, I went into Rav Meir Stern. And I said, Rebbe, what am I doing wrong? I hate davening with a passion. I, I hate it. It's, it's a turnoff. Now think about what's happening right here. Rav Meir Stern told this guy who's almost double this boy's age to go ask him how he davens. And this boy's saying, I went to the Rashiva and told the Rashiva, I hate davening. Okay. So he says, so he tells the, this alumni, he says, uh, uh, he says, I, I went to Rashiva, I said, Rashiva, I hate davening. So the mayor Stern tells him, he says, so don't. He says, don't daven? He says, no, I forbid you, stop davening. He says, just, I mean, just don't come. <laughs> he says, I didn't say don't come. I told you to stop davening. So he says, and do what? He says, just talk. I want you to just show up and talk. I don't care what you say. I don't care what. Just know this is your time with your Lord. Stop davening and start talking. And this bucher tells this guy about double his age. He says, I started doing that. I stopped davening. And I started talking. And at a certain point, it clicked that this is davening. And it's my favorite time of the day. I show up. He says, I don't know what you see behind me. He's like, I'm just letting you know. I show up. I'm in a different world. I just, I just tell God all my wonders. Everything I'm wondering about. I tell Hashem all, you know, everything I'm grateful for. Everything that I would prefer be a little better. He says, I just talk. And I've learned slowly but surely how some of that incorporates into a sitter. But when it comes to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, I love it because I just I I don't even daven from a sitter the whole time. He's like I just stand there and I talk. I don't. You're not going to see. It, you know. And this guy was no. He's like, this boy. This young man's not. He's not shuffling. He's not going back and forth. He's not. The guy's just like he's just there. His essence is there. He's present with the Rebbeinu That's what he's doing. He's just present. He's with Hashem, and that as we're about to see, is. Really, what the ikr, the main idea of tefillah is, and Bez Hashem, as you move along, hopefully we'll get there tonight, we'll be able to see how this fits in, how this fits in, and we'll start going through the sitter, so that as we expressed last week, when we show up to shul, the time to start studying it is already on nights like tonight, when we're coming together, understanding the davening, so when we come, we could just be there, we could be present, instead of being nervous and being like, Stressed out about breaking our teeth and keeping pace with with the minions. So here we go. Says Rosham Shampinkas. Ikar Hatfila. The main part of prayer is Shahula Hargish to feel. 
And again, we've been learning Bovavi Thursday nights. Feeling means it's part of your essence. To feel, which is the truth of what it is, that I'm standing in front of Hashem and to feel His closeness. I'm talking to God the same way I'm, we're all talking here tonight. The same way we're sitting together tonight. I'm literally, when I show up, the main avoda to get to is... There is Hashem sitting with me that I'm now conversing with. He says, and I'll, I'll read you the words of the Mesila Sisharim. Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato writes in Parak Yutesh, chapter 19. There's three things you got to do to really come to feel and to, to know the relationship and the tefillah with Hashem. We're literally standing in front of God and conversing with Him. Even though we don't see Him. This is why, by the way, we have imaginations. This is why we encourage our children specifically to use their imagination. Sometimes you'll have parents, they have a child, they sit there with their toys, and they're like, and they're taking their G.I. Joe thing, and and they're beating it up, and the parent's like, what are you doing? Meshugana. The Rebbeinu specifically makes kids with incredible imagination because you need to use an imagination to understand that Kaddish Baruch Hu. Imagination is a very, it's a very spiritual thing. It's a very important thing. There's so many things that we really oftentimes tap into and connect with that's really spiritual and we don't realize the spirituality of it. And the truth is, anything Hashem put into the world is there because of the connection to the spiritual. But you can't get lost in it. And I'll tell you where it sounds vague. But I'll tell you where I am with this. Celebrities. Athletes. People are infatuated with celebrities and athletes. Now one way to view it, which is an, it's a true way, is you're like, why in the world are you excited about a bunch of grown men in tight pants knocking each other to the floor and beating each other up? What in the world are tens of thousands of people and millions of people watching shrieking about? Like, what are you do? Like, what? And and you're mach- you respect that? And like, what are you like? What are you doing? If you look at it on that level, it's a, and there's there's truth to that. If you look at it on with a spiritual eye, we'll realize that part of infatuation with celebrities and people who are larger than life has a lot to do with ruchnius because we have an inborn desire to be bigger than we are right now. And that's what this does for a lot of people. What it does for a lot of people is it, not necessarily, in a, it could be in a good way, not necessarily in a good way. But the reason why we naturally tend, and people, somebody very rich, somebody that people are like, wow, wow what? Wow what? If people would know the spiritual side of what's happening to them, it's that they want to connect with something bigger, which really could be HaKadosh Baruch we have this innate desire to be part of something bigger than us, to, to develop ourselves into something more and to, and, to be, and to connect with something. But people channel, it's a spiritual mida that people just place in, in we put it in different places. Davoda is to, to take this innate reality that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us with and be like, I could, I'm bigger because I'm connected with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm connected because I'm connected with Hashem. But that, that's where all this 
possibly where the you know a, a lot of that uh, a lot of that comes from a lot of the infatuation with something bigger. But be it as it may, says Rosham Shempinkas that we have to use our imagination. The imagination is Hashem is literally in literally in front of me. Yan ein hachosh Granted, you know the the what's you, you can't see anything any feeling you can't touch an imagination. A person who has a sound has a is a balseichel. A person who could see things properly, with a little bit of contemplation, slave, and a little bit of placing your heart. You understand what we're saying here. There's not like Star Wars type of uh, imagination. You get it. There's there's things that you could bring down and really feel even when. Our eyes do not see it. That we're talking to Hashem, it's literally like we're talking to somebody else. And once I know this in my mind, I think about the greatness. This is not just God. This is the vastness of God. This is the greatness of, of everything that exists. Any blessing, any praise, it's coming in direction of Hashem. Any sort of completion is right here when I show up to Davin. Then I should think about so who's little me? Oh my gosh, me sitting here. I have Hakadosh Baruch Hu with everything that this is this vastness. I can't even contemplate is right here with me, and it's it's little old me. I mean, why, why did he even make me in the first place? I don't even know. I don't even know. He didn't have to make. He didn't. Even, he didn't have to make my soul in heaven. It could be like I never exist in the first place, and everything would be just fine. But Hashem made you specifically, and you specific, and me specifically at Chesed. And I have my own sins. I've even rebelled against this relationship, possibly. What the Bezillah is saying is like, when we show up to davening, if we have the right setting, and this is going to be the focus of tonight, creating the right setting for tefillah. If we have the right setting and we have the time, you're not, you're, we're never going to contemplate this existence that we just expressed when we're running into davening and running out of davening and running through davening. You don't have time. You simply don't have time. I'm busy breaking my teeth. I can't think about this. I'm too nervous about where the chazan is. Too nervous about, uh, you know, uh, playing catch up and, and what's happening. So we have to create this, a, this setting and this knowledge of what happens every time we daven. V'chein and similarly. Similar to Limar HaTorah. Kura Harbi Shirda Pshut Hashem Now says Rav Shamshav Binkas, he's going to lead us in a beautiful direction. And he says like this. He says, I want to tell you something. Don't get nervous that there's so much to tefillah. You know why? And I, I certainly relate with this. I was very much like this uh, throughout high school until Baruch Hashem, I got a Rebbe in first year base managers that threw me, um, threw me out of this. And uh, uh, in high school, I was the last person to ever raise the hand in class. I never raised my hand in class because what what what? How would teachers? What would teachers do? They would say, "Whoever does understand, raise your hand." Anybody who has any questions, raise your hand. And you look around at the thirty-five other students in the class. Nobody else is raising their hand. So I'm the stupid one. I'm the one who doesn't understand. And then the older you get, the more that feeling comes in. Right? Now I'm in 11th grade. I'm an 11th grader. I'm, I'm supposed to understand what, what my science teacher is saying. I'm supposed to understand what my Rebbe is teaching. And no, nobody else raised their hand. I'm, a, I'm not, okay, fine. 
I'm not going to waste everybody else's time. Even as nice. Like, not only don't you want to look stupid, you also don't want to waste everybody's time. And then you get to senior in high school. And you're like, now for sure. Now for sure. And then, Baruch Hashem, I had the merit to have a Rebbe in first year based Medrash who like forced me to ask questions by telling me to tell him what he taught me. And I couldn't. He would say, oh, you don't have any questions? Okay, tell me what I just said. I'd be like, well, I have a problem with what you just said. <laughs> I was forced. And he'd say, what's the problem? I would ask him a question. And very often what he showed me as an 18-year-old, one year post high school, what he showed me was, sometimes I actually didn't get it. I don't know, I'm not the most brilliant person, I didn't grasp anything. Very often, the reason why I didn't understand is because I was noticing something that other people didn't notice. Not to pat myself on the back, but sometimes because we have questions, that just shows perhaps we're just thinking deeper or, or, or further than other people who are fine with what was being said. They're fine with the information, but there's something that as soon as the teacher starts talking, I have this question in my mind and I can't get that out of my mind. So nothing's starting to make sense because nothing's, I, I have this thing, that I, not, this, it's not figuring out, but all you need is a little light bulb and everything falls into place. Sometimes it's that one simple idea that like I just missed. I missed an idea and all of a sudden the teacher shares that idea. Oh, all of a sudden like there's, those questions fall to the wayside. So this is what Rosh Hashanah says. The same way when a person comes to learn Torah. The more you question and the more you study, the more consciousness, the more awareness we have to what to to what's in existence, Kain hu is beautiful. So too it is with davening. We could be like, I don't know how to daven. Like this guy in, in Passaic, Rebbe, I, I hate, I don't know how to daven. I don't know what's happening. Sometimes it's this little thing. His Rebbe tells him, so stop. Stop. Just start talking. Did he tell him anything more profound? Did he teach him, sit down with him and start going through a sitter? He told him one simple thing. There's a yesod, there's a foundational piece in davening that you're missing. My dear student, which is talk. Talk. Forget, forget that for right now. Just go talk to Hashem. And this light bulb helped him start to actually daven. So too it is with davening. Just a little bit. Sometimes it's a little bit that could just set us up on the path where this Shabbos, perhaps, or next Shabbos, or in a year from now, we start showing up the show where, yeah, I don't know everything about davening. I don't know what every last word means. Maybe I don't even know how to pronounce every last word properly. But I have the whole idea of what, I, what I'm here to accomplish. I have that whole idea. And because I know the idea of what I'm here to accomplish, I'm going to be successful whenever I show up to shul. I'm going to be successful even when, or when I daven outside the shul. Because I have a greater understanding, just that little light bulb of, oh, okay, that's really what's important when it comes to when it comes to davening. And he says, Dukum Lakach, give an example. He says, I'll give an example how to be a little light bulb could be helpful for your overall davening. Okay? Little piece of information, little nugget. He says Darizal writes that the Chazan's repetition is a greater Shmona Esrei for each individual more than your own silent Shmona Esrei. How's that? It's greater, says Darizal, to follow along word for word with the Chazan than to say your own private Shmona Esrei. Okay, and he brings proofs. Kamara Lamed Beis, Brachis Lamed Beis, Brachis Davches. 
Whenever you have a prayer that's being said on behalf of the Rabbim, which by the way, the Chazan's repetition is there to be said on our behalf. The Chazan is basically saying our prayer. That's what they used to do before a sitter. Before a sitter was out there in the printing press, people didn't know how to pray by heart. So there was a little bit of time for those who knew how to pray by heart. And then the Chazan would daven for everybody else. And everybody else would follow along and say, Amen. And he was saying the blessing for them. The same way one person makes Kiddush for everybody else very often at a Zul Kiddush. So the Chazan, that's where the repetition comes from. Okay? So the Chazan's there. He's saying this whole, this whole repetition, being our attorney in front of God in heaven for us. Shetfila Salachash, the silent Shmona Esrei, the silent Amida, the Rov Yukrasa, with all of its beauty, it's a, it's like a, a, a diamond, yeah, that you're like you're hiding, you're keeping it close, and you want to make sure nobody steals it away from you. When it comes to the Chazan repetition, the level is, nobody can get in your way. Nobody can steal your prayers. What does it mean stealing? What it means is, if I pray, it could be stolen. How do I know God's going to answer it? It's a personal prayer. But the Gemara promises us a, a, a Prayer of the tzibur is automatically answered. Automatic. So the Chazor Sajats that's being said right here by the Chazan on my behalf is automatically going to come in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. V'hinei, and what happens, says Rav Shamshim Pikas, he says, look around every shul. Rabbi that we don't know the importance of the Chazan's repetition. We're like, okay, I said it already. And now the guy's doing it again. All right, it's taking us an extra 10 minutes in shul. Right, why? All right, it's an old custom, whatever, I don't know. Right? <laughs> But I already did this. I already did this. So, lechatchila. Ideally, you know how people view it. Zman hamidiyud leinian beiza sefer istam zman mavuz as we do. The chazan saying it. Okay, he says. What do people do? They, they'll open up a chumash and start looking through the parsha halavai. <laughs> if only, <laughs> if only we were doing this. He says people use a, a little bit of downtime. You, can, you could live an entire life. Without without noticing the Chazan's repetition once or following along once. You can go an entire lifetime and it's like, I never knew I never knew that this is a more important prayer than my own personal one. It's going to come right up in front of Hashem. Even if I say, Amen. Right, the, the yeshiva joke is, what's the only word in the Hebrew language that starts with a chaf sofis? An end of chaf. Chaf Chavzavist puts at the end. How can you have a Chavzavist in the beginning? The one word is Chshmai. Right? Baruch Hu Uvaruch Shmai. So the last letter of Baruch, Chshmai. Chshmai. So, okay, it starts with a Chavzavist. So, It's not because of the words that were just said on, on my behalf, on everybody's behalf. Because of idea. He says it's just because people don't know. We didn't know this. He says it's not, it's not a problem. We don't know. So now we have this little nugget. We have this little idea. So now all of us here, can I know her? All of us sitting together. Now we know. Now the Chazan says, whether or not we follow along, we know the opportunity in front of us. Okay, you could choose whether or not, you know, whether or not uh, to take it. He's like, the parable is a guy, uh, a guy uh, purchases a luxury car and he always drives it in first gear. You're like, hello, this Porsche could go 0 to 60 in, in 2 seconds. Right? Go 0 to 60 in 2 seconds. And the guy's like, oh, really? It takes me 8 minutes. You know, it's like you're driving a Porsche. Hello? 8 minutes? The guy doesn't know how to shift gears. He's, he's stuck. So he's like, right? 
you're stuck with this. He says, very often in tefillah, there's so much here and so much to knowledge to, to figure out, but we're just not, we're simply not aware. So we don't know how to make use of everything that this luxury car, this tefillah has to offer. So he says, well, here's the main idea, and this is what we'll be discussing. The main idea how to be successful in davening is to set aside time outside of your prayer time. This is what we touched on at the end of the year last week. The time to learn about tefillah really is like tonight. It's, it's, it's outside of, of a shul, outside of the time of chakras. Because during davening, we do want to daven well. But that itself takes avoda. It's an avoda, like we said, to create the setting of davening, to have, to have this picture of, of knowing the opportunity that I'm sitting here with. And then at the same time to be busy learning about what the davening is and reading all the footnotes in it. And you can't be present in the moment of the opportunity. It's tough. It's not. The, it's it's really not the best time to to you know be, be studying the actual nuts and bolts of davening. You have to really it has to be done at a at a different time. Okay. Now. Okay. One more idea in this section. He says like this. He says, you know what I like with this. This idea, v'yafa, it's beautiful. Amar Chachamah, he says, I once heard a wise person say, apparently one of the G'daylum, Rosham Shepinkas, how he doesn't write which G'daylum, was asked, somebody asked him, what's a proper amount of time that a person should ensure for Shemona Ezra? It's a good question. Ona and the Chacham answered, you know how much time you should take? Ad shagomrim, till you're done. That's how much time you should take. Till you're done. Come in a flog though. He says, how beautiful is this? Some people take 15 minutes. People take four minutes. People take eight minutes. Don't feel like your time is kotsov, is set. I only have X amount of time because the chazan is going to get to the chazar sashats. Okay? That also is going to get in the way of kavan. Imyesh eslibo shiyark with you also. He says, I don't have a long run history. I need to have a quicker The main thing is not to be distracted by that. That's a distraction how long your Shemonesri is taking. It's not the point. As, as a kid, third grade, I believe, is when they taught us to, to, taught us to how to daven Shemonesri. I could tell you, until seventh grade, for me for sure, my Shemonesri consisted of three steps forward, three steps back, bow your head, pump your chest, and then look around till somebody else is finished, so you know it's not too early. Honestly, that's what my prayer was till seventh grade. That's what it was. And I look around that kids; it's comical. Like I could make a whole comedy thing. It's mama's what it is. The kids said that, and like the kids in class, they learn that, and they're just they're shaking, and you know they're spacing out. They're they're who knows where. You might have a couple kids. You know, there are kids who are who are like careful and sincere to say each word. You'll have the gedolim, you know, that uh, it'll it'll last. Not to knock it. Most kids, they're just chuckling. And once another kid finishes, you know it's not too early. Right? And now you can take three steps back and you're released from jail. That's, that's basically, uh, that's, you know, that's basically how it works. But uh, what's happening there? It's, it's these, these outside things that are getting in their way of davening. We're not teaching them 
Perhaps we're not teaching them. Not a knock on education because we're trying to... But are, are we teaching them that this is just just go talk? Or are we saying like this, this, this? How, how do you expect a, a kid or even an adult to sit there and just, okay, to shuckle for X amount of time and then like you, to, to keep their mind on it? It's a very, very difficult place to be. We really can't have outside things when we daven. And this needs time. You can't daven. You can't daven one foot out the door. You one foot out the door doesn't mean I plan on leaving, by the way. One foot out the door means I can't keep up. That's one foot out the door. I'm one foot out the door of where I'm currently davening. No. If you're davening, and this is practical halacha here. If you're davening, Get into whatever you're saying. Just get into whatever you're saying. Just daven. Let's start with that. Just, just, just get into it. Does it mean you have to skip certain things? Fine, come over to me, let me know what you're missing, and we'll go through the, the main things. But again, we're not allowing the, the right setting to, um, we're not allowing the right setting to really kick in. Okay. I wanted to share a few more things that he's going to get into with Hachana, with, with uh, how to create a right, uh, the, the proper setting. I'm going to pause here for Sham Shampinkas. I want to start going through the actual words of Tefillah. And next week we'll pick up with how to create the proper Hachana, how to cre- uh, create the right setting when we actually show up to Shul. But now let's get into a little bit of the uh, nuts and the bolts of some of the words that we say when we come and down. Okay, so here we go. We're going to start with the morning blessings. We'll move on to some integral parts of Pesukah de Zimmer. We'll move on to the blessings of Shema, Shema, Shemona Esrei. Let's get it done. All right? Every bracha that does not have a bracha before it starts with Baruch Atah Hashem. Now the reason why I said it like that is because there are brachos that do not start with Baruch Atah Hashem. For example, in the Shemona Esrei, the blessings do not start with Baruch HaTahasha. Right? Besides for the first one, because that's the first. There's no blessing before this. The first blessing is Baruch HaTahashem, Elokeinu Velokei Avuseinu. It ends Magin Avram. What's the next bracha? Ata Gibar. Where's Baruch HaTahasha? The halacha is, every time you have a bracha preceded by another bracha in the same category, so you don't start with Baruch Hashem. It's unnecessary. So notice that. The same thing's true in the category of the blessings prior to Shema. Okay? You have Yishtabach is a blessing, but there's only a blessing at the end. Okay? But once we're done with Yishtabach, then we're going to move on to a new category called the Shema blessings, which start Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, Yotzer Aruvore Choshech. That's the first of the Shema blessings. But the second of the Shema blessings, which is Avarabah of Tanu, since it's the second in that category, is not going to have a Baruch HaTosha. So any blessing that does not have a blessing prior, will start with Baruch HaTosha. That's just a, a side point. Baruch Omar is not Baruch HaTosha. Right? It, but that's a, that's a blessing that ends. There's one that ends with that as well. But it's a, it's a good... Uh, okay. What does Baruch mean? I'm just, as a side thing, what does Baruch HaTashem mean? Let's take a word by word. Baruch. So what does Baruch mean? So the word Baruch, and now we're going to work on the outside of Davin, when we show up to Shul, we know what to have in mind. Baruch can either mean 
blessed are you, blessed are we that Hashem has a relationship with the world. That's one approach to what Baruch means. Blessed are we that Hashem has a relationship with the world. It does not mean I bless, I bless you. It does not mean I praise you. It does not mean I thank you. That's going to come at a different time. Like we spoke about last year, it's important to know when to have what kavana. So there's 10 or 13 different types of kavanas, depending on how you break it out according to the Medrash or Mesir Sisharim. But um, Baruch means, it's a blessing that Hashem should constantly strengthen his relationship with the world. That explanation comes from Reb Chaim Velozhner. Reb Chaim Velozhner explains that's what Baruch means. The Sefer HaChinuch argues. Okay? What's it without an argument? Right? Sefer HaChinuch says that what you have in mind when saying Baruch is God is the source of all Baruch. God is the source of all blessings. Either way, very often we say, we say, Baruch Hashem, we think, Hashem, I thank you. That's not the Kavana here. Kavanah is not Hashem, I thank you. Baruch means either contemplate Hashem strengthening his relationship or contemplate that Hashem is the source of every blessing that exists. So that's what the word Baruch means. Okay. Then we say, Ata, who's you? Who's you? So, Ata, you, means we're addressing Hashem in the setting that we just described. He's standing in front of us. You say you to somebody, I say you, 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 because I'm here with you. Otherwise, I got Harris over here. I would say, oh, there's Harris. Harris in this house. Okay? When I say you, so Baruch, Hashem, the source of all blessing, or the relationship with the world, whichever, you can have both in mind, know that beforehand, or at the time, or then. Atah is the setting that Hashem is standing in uh, in front of us. Okay, now, when somebody is not here, we'll call them by name, or we will say he or she. Which is another way that we sometimes refer to Hashem, right? Sometimes we, isn't that interesting? Sometimes we'll say, Hu Elokeinu, Hu Avinu, He is our King, He's our Father. That's an expression of, whenever we say who, no, it's referring to Hashem in hiding. He. We don't see that. At that point of the tefillah, when you say who, it's like, we know there's Hashem, but it's a little bit like, a little bit hidden. When we say ata, there's no hiding. We're, we're here. That's the kavana right now. The kavana, the intention is knowing that we're addressing Hashem directly. Okay? Which sometimes there's, you know, it could come across, seems to be a little bit of a, uh, a contradiction by saying sometimes he, sometimes saying you, but the explanation here is, is that we say you because Hashem is, the, the setting is Hashem's right here. However, we know, and we have to remind ourselves that the true essence of our Creator is really hidden from any perception we can have. So we're going to use our perception, we're going to use our imagination, and we're going to use the, the real closeness, the true closeness that we have to Hashem, at the same time knowing our limits in understanding Hashem's greatness. Which is why at times, in some of the very holy prayers, we will shift from ata, from you, to the word who. Because sometimes we need to remind ourselves that the truth is, we only know that He exists 
but we don't really know who he is. We don't fully know the Rebbeinu Shalom because it's beyond the comprehension of a human being. And this is why, again, Atah and who? Very interesting. Okay? So we start off pretty much every bracha by saying, Baruch Atah. We're speaking about Hashem, whose actions, why are we referring to Hashem like here? Because we're referring to actions that we actually see in the world. It's not the, it's not the time we're referring to the hiddenness of Hashem. At this point, we're referring to what we do see from Hashem. For example, the morning blessings, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Malach Olam, Asher Nosan Lasech Vivin Alav The rooster can know the difference in day and night, which we'll get to why that's a, it's a strange prayer, strange blessing to start out with. Yeah, what's that? But we know that exists. We can actually see that. We can see that that is true. So therefore, in that context, we will, we will uh, use the word Atah. When the, you'll notice when we shift to the word who, it's when we talk about Hashem's, um, uh, who Hashem is. Whenever we talk about who Hashem is, we use the word who for he. Like who alokeinu, who of him. Well, we're not referring to an action or something. We're going to very often use the word who to give off this connotation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, uh, is a little hidden from us. So he might be visible in his actions, but the true essence is hidden. Baruch Atah, blessed are you Hashem, building your relationship with the world, the source of all brachas, you, I, I can, if I'm willing to, see your hand in what we're about to be referring to. Okay. A little more, we have a little bit more time, we're good. It's late, I don't want to... Keep going, huh? Does that mean there's something special going on Mordechai is asking, does that mean there's something unique going on in Inka Lekeno? Inka Lekeno, Mika Lekeno, Huga? Let me tell you something. This is, this is, these foundational ideas, even, even something like this, like, like we discussed in Rav Shamsh introduction, it's a small thing that can open up worlds. This question right here is a proof to what we're saying. It's a concept, the difference between Atta and who, slight thing, it's going to open up worlds now when you go through Davina. You're going to notice that whenever you say the word Atah, you're going to notice this has to do, you can see Hashem in this, in this bracha. And now you're going to notice when you see, when you see the word uh, who, you're going to, you're going to know it's, there's, there's something beyond, there's something beyond our comprehension. It adds a whole new dimension. It's beautiful. It's, beautiful. it's adding, it's going to, it's going to, just this, this idea adds a whole new dimension to uh, what we're going to be uh, going through. Okay. Keep going a little bit. Anybody could, uh, it is late. You feel, feel free to go. I just want to do one specific bracha that many of us say many times a day and is in the sitter in the beginning and that is the bracha of Asher Yatzar. Very, uh, I don't want to run through this. We'll see how far we can go, but it's a very important bracha. So the bracha begins. Baruch Atah, Hashem, Alekeinu, Malach I'm going to wait for the names of Hashem soon. Hashem, Alekeinu, Malach Let's get into the bracha. Asher Yatzar. Who created a a person with wisdom, Uvaravai, and created him Nikavim, Nikavim, Chalulim, Chalulim. Okay? Different pores, different tubes, different hollowness. The body has many, many Nikavim. It has uh, some pores that substances can pass through from one to the other. And there are openings which substances can pass from the inside to the outside. In, inside our bodies, right? So you have the way the organs connect internally, and then there's some organs that are not, eh? it's meant to send 
from the inside to the outside, such as the, the bowels. That is, nekavim, nekavim, chalulum, chalulum. Nekavim, nekavim are the pores, right? The, that go from the intestines and the liver and how everything connects inside. Chalulum, chalulum is when it sends things out. Right? There's earwax, there's things from the nose, the mouth, right? the, our, our bowels, so on and so forth. There's also, chalulum chalulum also includes the veins and the arteries and the nerves and the, anything that has hollowness, the stomach, the lungs, the heart. Everything in our body that the sages put into these words is included in the kavim and chalulum. These Hebrew words, the kavim chalulum, include, these two words, the depth and beauty of the Hebrew language, include what the English language takes thousands of words to use. Okay. So, Hashem, you, we see Hashem in our bodies. Right? They're saying, Atah, it's you. Created all these pores, all these hollow, uh, some to each other, some to, some to send out. Galoi v'yadua. It's known before you, because really we're pointing out, Hashem really, I mean, anybody in the field of medicine knows we can't know everything. Medicine has its limits. It's not a knock on medicine. We're obligated to use medicine, but it has its limits. You can't, it's not, it's not God, it's not Hashem, the, word, the, the body is, is beyond. So, it's called it's, a it's known, you say, Hashem, you're the only, really the only one who truly understands the body. You're, we don't know, we don't even know what we get when our body functions properly. So, yes, we're saying, by mentioning it, that we need to notice the greatness as far as when referring to it, we say, Hashem, you're the one who knows. It's revealed and known before you. In front of your throne of glory. If a part of the body that's meant to be closed, the stomach, the intestines, gets a hole, it's an emergency. Or if a part that's supposed to be hollow gets closed. The mouth, the nostrils. Any, any area of the body, any person needs to breathe. person can't move their bowels. Anything that's meant to be closed is open. Anything that's supposed to be open is closed. It is impossible to stay alive. Impossible. And therefore we say, Baruch Hashem. Hashem, you are the source of every bracha that we just have, that we have. You just do this. I mean, this is the body I live in, so I see this second to second. Yeah? So you created our bodies. You created our bodies. And uh, Rav, uh, Rav Feldman, when he was, when he was given over the shear, and, and he writes here, he says that he was, all good stories apparently happen on airplanes. So he says he was, um, he was on a plane and he came out, I don't know where he was flying to, obviously not Israel or else people are aware of this. But he, he came out and he started mumbling to himself. And somebody said, next, he was like, what are you saying? He asked him, what are you saying? So Rav Feldman told him, he said, we Jews say a prayer of thanking God for giving us the ability to move our bells. And the guy says, you Jews can bring God into anything. <laughs> <laughs> you just bring God into anything, right? But the, the truth is, that's, that's in, in the broader picture what Asher Yatsar is really about. Right? Yes, as in the broader sense, when I say Asher Yatsar, just know, again, everything we're saying here, it's, you don't have to sit there and sh- break your 
break your teeth over what does this word mean, what does that word mean, what is that? But we understand, now we've created the setting, you walk out of the bathroom and you know right now, Hashem, I just saw, I see you in my body, I see, I'm grateful, you're the source of every blessing that's happening over here, I understand this body is complex, even if you don't know exactly what word means what, but you walk away from this bracha inspired. I walk in this bracha like, wow, what's this sort of bracha, that the, the blessing that I just received by being able to, to move my bowels, the, you know, and then the whole purpose of the body is to be able to, to serve Hashem. And that's why we have you know, the, the complexity of, of the body. So what's important to have in mind is that, you know, in Tzabracha we can make six, I'm not, I'm not going to give a number, <laughs> six times a day, 10 times a day, 20 times a day. Yeah, but it's, it's worthwhile to at least, at least notice, notice the bracha, notice what the bracha, the, the overall picture of the bracha, not to be doing other things and I'm talking to myself because I struggle with this, right? It's the type of thing, you're running out of the bathroom, you got to take this, you got to catch it, the door's open. It takes 30 seconds, 45 seconds. What that does is creates the setting. If we stop and create the setting for an, and create the setting for an Asher Yatsar, and re- notice all the wondrous things that are happening both physically with our bodies, the spiritual aspects that are connected to the beginning of the bracha, the end of the bracha, where everything physical is really spiritual, because that's Asher Yatsar more than anything, is connecting Hashem with the most base thing of going to the bathroom, that people are like, oh, you bring God into everything, right? It's a, it's a you just go to the bathroom, like, relax. Right? No, it's like, nothing's, everything, the physical, the spiritual connecting, uh, you know, everything together. So it's it's an important sense of uh, of acknowledgement. So that deals with that bracha specifically. We'll hold it here for tonight. Next week we will uh, deal a little further with the hachana, the preparation, the setting that Rav Shamsham Pinkas teaches us about um, that is, is helpful when it comes to shul and, and overall tefillah and kavana. And then we'll continue on with the uh, further blessings that we say in the morning.